hold everything. So, you're telling me that we're listening to the best podcast in the world? That's right, Daffy. Yes, and it's called the Movie Rob Minute Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 115 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis acting film, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me on this lovely Friday is Mark Hoffmeyer of Movies, Films, and Flicks, and also from the Deep Blue Sea Pod and the Con Air Pod. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, to get in the character for this episode, I'm, I went to Atlanta. I found the t- tallest building, got to the top of it. I'm in the sundial right now, and I'm just ready to record. I'm at the top of the building. I'm going to record this final episode with you and I. We've done five, but yeah, it's going to be... I'm We've done four. Right this up is there, the fifth. This is out. the fifth. There you go. Yeah, yeah, this is the fifth episode. So I'm not, the final episode that we're doing together, I went to the tallest building in Atlanta just to get into character for this. I'm not going to get shot like Ken, uh, like, like uh, Al Young here, but, you know, fingers right, crossed. Just, just get down, get the f*** downstairs. That's what you have to do. <laughs> run! <laughs> That's right. They didn't even oh, say man. run. <laughs> okay, so minute 115 begins with the Huey coming in for the final approach and ends with the Huey aiming for the building. So uh, the first thing I have to say about this entire minute, I, I know that that I like to go in order and stuff like that, but the 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 shots here are just unbelievable. You know, the, we talked earlier this week about the the Huey shots and the fact that you know they had to, you know, they ha- they only had the Hueys for a certain number of hours and stuff like that. But it's just amazing some of these shots. You know, they they've got amazing yeah. aerial shots here. You know, Yandabant did an amazing job. If if he's the one who you know, did the, did the shots, which I'm assuming he did, you know, this isn't the type of thing that you would, that you'd hand off to somebody else. I don't think. No. I mean, like, even if you're, cause this was so important, you don't just give it to a second unit director, you, you know, like second unit directors are great. You know, David R. Ellis, who did deep blue sea, went on direct snakes on a plane and, and uh shark night. But it's, yeah, I think Yandabot was in this They, they, cause they didn't have that much time. So they had to plan the heck out of it. And I think this is a case of, of them, you know, they didn't have much time, but they planned it so well that they got the footage they needed. And and we were talking about this too, like nothing beats the fact that these are real helicopters flying around right. this city. <laughs> There's some Correct. green screen work, sure, but for the most part, the footage they got is practical, and that's why it doesn't age, and that's why it looks great. Like this, you can't beat that. Like I, I keep saying this, but like you know, the my favorite action films, kind of like what Predator, you, they're they're like in the middle of it, like Mad Max Fury Road, they're in. What, Tunisia in the middle of nowhere? Like, I love action films that, like, go on location. And this movie, I mean, it was shot in L.A., but they still, like, everything was in camera. And that's why it looks so right. beautiful. I love it. It doesn't get old. Right, and this is also, you could say that this is, they went on location in, in L.A. <laughs> to do it. Yeah, know, exactly. Is, you know, this isn't, this isn't a film that they just did the entire thing on a soundstage. You know, that type exactly. of thing. Exactly. Yeah, Michael Mann would be proud of, of the on-location work. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it starts off with, with a whole bunch of shots of, of the local L.A. skyline, you know, as the, the Hueys get, get closer. And, you know, the, these aerial shots are just unbelievable. And they, they even show us the, you know, the, the Nakatomi helipad from the side and stuff like that. 
and it, it's just great because you like you can follow these these uh, helicopters as they're going through. You know, they they pass that that fountain that we talked about earlier this week, and you know, mm-hmm. you, we even get a, a far shot where you can see the fountain in the distance. I, you know, it's it's just great. You know, everything is lit up really well and stuff like that. And then you know, the Hueys come in for uh, for an approach, you know, towards towards the Nakatomi itself. And then we get a shot of our our one of the few uh, uh, thieves slash terrorists still still alive, Al Leong, you know Uli, oh. and he's he's standing on the top of the steps, uh, you know, uh, I guess guiding people along, which again it once <laughs> up, it once again brings up the question to me. Okay, you have let's say thirty hostages and you have one terrorist standing there, you know, uh, herding them forward, you know, and stuff like that. So I mean, it may. Oh, sorry. Go for it. No one, no one tries. No, nobody tries to 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 stop him. No one tries to just like push him over the side. I don't know. You know, you can try and do something. It's it's the fear. You know, of, of I guess that's why it's called terrorism. You know, you're afraid. <laughs> they're they're instilling terrorism, terror in you, as the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, they're rushing them upstairs. They're getting them going. Uh, Gruber just fired shots into the air. Everyone's a little disoriented, running upstairs. You're kind. You probably have tunnel vision. So I mean, I couldn't say what I would do. So I was kind of. We did talk about how it was kind of interesting. We thought Uli, Uli would would stay behind them and kind of get them all upstairs. But at I, one point he I mean, was, still, and then he like moved past them. You know, like he's moving back and forth. He's moving yeah. up and up and down the line. You know, getting people moving. I'm just you not know, messing he, with this guy though. Right. He he'd be a good like, drill sergeant. You know. You, you know, imagine uh, Arlie Ermy doing this, you know, you know, running back and forth, oh, screaming at them, you know, <laughs> screaming at them to, to to get moving because they've eaten too many donuts or something like that. I don't know. He'd be a good <laughs> fitness instructor. CrossFit. Neil you Young's CrossFit gym. <laughs> I'd work yeah. it. Uh, I'd go to his stunt school. I was watching all of his death scenes earlier on Al, Al, Al Young death reel. And he does a good shoot and jump backwards. I gotta tell you, like he's he's the king at getting air after getting shot. It's so lovely how he gets okay, shot. Okay, so yeah, I'm assuming they do this with the harness, right? Oh no, you not like get... when you just gotta jump on a table. Um, you know, in some movies, if let's say you have a, a shotgun and you blow somebody away 14 feet, then yeah, you probably put them on a harness and you pull it. But a lot of these that I was watching, he just gets shot and goes off his feet and falls on like a table. You don't even no, you know. No. There's no way to even see the wire. And breaks the table? Uh, just I mean, no, he just landed on it and fell off of it. Like it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good work. He even got a. I remember, I, I do love it. In Last Action Hero, he gets a uh, ice cream cone in the back of his head, which is right. pretty lovely. And our friends yeah. at Exploding Helicopter will love the scene from Escape from L.A. and Hard Hunted, where he's in a helicopter that blows up. He's had a lot of good deaths, and he was Genghis <laughs> Khan. He That's was right. Genghis Khan. In That's right. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. In Bill and Ted, of course. Ah. Yeah, I, mean, I mentioned this. I mentioned what? this earlier in the season. I, I I remember when when I was watching the first season of Twenty Four, you know, which came out what was it ten or twelve <laughs> years after this movie, or no, it came out that was in two thousand one, I believe. So there's thirteen years after this movie, and then I saw him, and he had like gained weight, but he was still Angerman, you know, and you can still notice that it's Ali Young, you know, same yeah. guy. Uh, I mean, same just guy. the hair, you know, like, and he's in everything. The yeah. guy is in everything. Like just yeah. so many movies, and I, all right. Um, 
I know we're talking. We, he get he gets shot in this scene, but can I can I break down my five favorite Al Al Young deaths? Of course you can. All right. That's why so, I have you here, Mark. Give top fives of things that people would never think to even even you know make a top five about, and that that's what Mark's for. Mark will make a top five. You know, you you can have like top five. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, top five people running too. running around in their underwear. Uh, you know, after being shot oh. at or something, some crazy things like that. You know, uh, underwear scenes. Probably gotta get Jean Claude Van Damme in there. Yep. and uh it follows would go night negligee where all right no so my number five is last action hero he gets stabbed in the back of the head with an ice cream cone while in a car chase with arnold schwarzenegger and then he says uh, very inventive doesn't he say like keep killing or something like that yeah something stupid that arnold says i mean uh, clearly on purpose stupid on purpose but he gets an ice cream cone in the back of his head and it's just absolutely lovely and then i'm gonna say I gotta add a Dolph Lundgren death because he's been in Dark Angel with them. Uh, he's been in he's been in this, but I'm gonna say Showdown in Little Tokyo. So he's either shot by Brandon Lee or Dolph Lundgren, but he does a great shoot and fall that makes me really happy. And Hard Hunted, if you type in Hard Hunted in uh, like Google and look at the pictures of this movie, it's insane. But a rocket launcher blows him up. He gets blown up by a rocket launcher when he's in a helicopter, and that's just lovely. Like I love that when that happens. You gotta do that. Uh, then I'll do number. <laughs> Eight, I, you know what? I'll put Die Hard in here because it's just, you know, he's one of the last guys remaining. And he doesn't even put up a fight. He just opens up the door and gets shot. But last but not least, the best one is Lethal Weapon. When oh, he gets shot. Wraps his legs around his neck. And um, yeah, and then he strangles Mel, Mel Gibson, strangles him with his owl. Yeah. <laughs> Al's name, his name. Mel Gibson was strangling him with his uh, legs. Like he, he takes him out, snaps his neck when Al was torturing him. But he's really featured in that. And it's a unique death because you never really get much like neck snap strangled via legs death. So Correct. I'm taking Lethal Weapon number one. Okay, now now one. here's a question. I I've, I think I discussed this with someone else earlier in the season. Do you think that Die Hard and Lethal Weapon take place in the same universe? Die Hard. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, they both take place on the West Coast. <clears throat> I don't think there's too much. I mean, that means that – that wait, so that was 87 and Die Hard was 88? Yeah. No, but that means – wait, then did Al have a twin brother? Did, does Al that, have clothes? That's Cause my he's also in Lethal here. Weapon 4. That's my question here. So they're, he's in they're... Lethal Weapon 4, Die Hard, and Lethal Weapon. So Let's he, say yeah. Well, actually, if he's, in, if he's in Lethal Weapon 4 and Lethal Weapon, that means there's already you know, brothers there. You know, so the like question is, is there a, that's right. Well, identical, Are there identical triplets? Identical, identical triplets. Does that happen? Sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, exactly alike. I want to believe that. I want to. I want to. I want to believe there's an ALCU. No, an, an ACU, an Al Cinematic Universe. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be an Al Cinematic Universe, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all the movies combined. Like, let's say, let's say, Big Trouble in Old China actually happened too. That's on the West Coast as well. Like, no, so at that, that point, at that point, no, but at that point, you're already talking about clones. You're not even talking about, you know, triplets or or quadruplets or uh, septuplets or whatever it is. I mean, this is, you know, you when you reach a the, you you reach a certain point where they can't just be, you know, twins or you know, identical twins. It it 
you know, then you're getting into the cloning area, I which mean, which is fine. fine. Also, also I don't have a LA. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I I'm okay with the fact that 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 he's possibly a uh, you know that 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 they they've cloned him. And you know what else I love? He gets killed in Big Trouble in Little China. Then he pops up with the same exact almost gang in Escape from L.A. and gets killed in that too. There I you love go. the John Carpenter reunions. Oh my gosh, this is almost as good as the Pauly Shore cinematic universe because you know in Encino Man or California Man, Pauly Shore meets Link, Brendan Fraser. Then the next film's film Son-in-Law, Link is at Pauly Shore's college, but Pauly Shore doesn't act like he like doesn't know him. And then and then in um. What's in the army now? Link is in the army, and the character there sees him, and he doesn't pretend to know him either. So that means Pauly Shore either has like identical triplets, or he's a clone because he doesn't know who Link is in those two other movies. That's right. And Link must be weirded out because he's like, "There's three of weasels here. Like, why is three weasels running around?" <laughs> Some odd cinematic universes. I'm telling you. Completely. Now, I mean, I was I was looking through his 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 filmography, and and I just remembered another great death scene that he has from uh, Beverly Hills Cop Three, you know, where he's a mechan one of yeah. the mechanics at the beginning who gets shot, and if I remember correctly, he's the guy who when he gets shot, you know, like he he's he just like dancing around when he gets shot, like reverberating with all the bullets, and I believe he's the one who gets the the pink gun, you know, uh, landing on his face and continue, you know, like a red paint that just like. Uh, you know, it looks like it's blood oozing out of him. Ooh. Yeah, there's there's one of them. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's him. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he goes down to Beverly Hills Cop 3. I just, that, that's on the East Coast, right? That's what, because That happened in Coast, Detroit. That scene, then, that scene happens yeah, in Detroit. Uh, yeah. I guess that's not the East Coast. Like Midwest, in the, in Midwest. the North. And then, yeah, Midwest. And then, then that's that's the catalyst which takes him West again for another movie. But yeah, I mean, so, so he's been killed by... Dolph Lundgren, he's been killed by Mel Gibson, Bruce Willis, Brandon Lee, Dolph Lundgren, Michael Douglas, Bruce Willis. It's a pretty like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that uh, Tony that... Fat, who's a legend. Godzilla kills him. That's yeah. impressive. Um, also, uh, um, Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, yeah, Kiefer yeah, Sutherland. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he's the one who kills him in uh, in 24. Uh, and then he gets found in Deadwood by Timothy Oliphant. I'll I'll be a dead character who gets found by <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. That's cool with me. I'm fine with that. But what a great henchman, right? That's why this movie works. I were one of the reasons why this movie works is you know the henchmen. There's so many movies that come out where the henchmen are so blah. There's only a few that I you know I love Bob and Batman, but that's only because <laughs> the Joker shoots him. Hey, right. get your gun. But he's like, there's so few henchmen that I love, and I feel like Die Hard just has. Okay, now that we're almost done, you have a couple, you have one henchman left, but I would dare to say that Die Hard might have the deepest bench of mem- like pound for pound memorable henchmen. I, I would agree with you on that one. I I don't. I mean, I'm a little biased you know, because I know the names of all thirteen, you know, terrorists. Yeah. Uh, most people don't. Mm-hmm. But but I know how to differentiate between all of them, you know. Even though some of their names are very similar, Franco and Marco and stuff like that, you know. Like but, just, but, but I could have done a doctorate on it after all these hours that I've talked about this movie, you know, over the last few months. <laughs> have you ever watched Blind Fury with Rooker Hauer? Sure. There's some good henchman work in that. 
because there's pairs of henchmen and there's there's three pairs of henchmen that i can think of that are all visually distinctive that's what i kind of like yeah but it's still not as good as the henchmen here no but i would say that if you're gonna go for like a good if you're if you're like teaching a class movie rob you're brought in and you're you're kind of like this is how you do a good henchman hench person let's say you could use clips from blind fury die hard yeah well first of all it's it's interesting that you said you know hench person because in the original novel some of the terrorists are women in the movie they decided to make them all men yeah why not this is like a sophisticated europe european group of terrorists why couldn't there be a like you figured gruber would want a woman that's to come with that's right he'd have like some sort of you know nazi uh Nazi woman there with them. You know, I, I recently rewatched uh, Passenger Fifty Seven. You know, you have they 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 bring you know Elizabeth Hurley on. Oh yeah. Know, to, <laughs> to have the the token female, or when we eventually get to Die Hard Four, you know, you have the whole thing with Maggie Q and Die, actually, Hard, Die Hard Three. Vengeance Die Hard really with Vengeance. Solid. You also have you, you have um, you have Katya played by Sam Phillips, who uh, you know hopefully in ah she's so good. Hopefully in a few seasons from now we'll be talking about 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 her and her work and stuff like that. I was just thinking about this today, and and we still have more to talk about with this chapter. But I mean, I watched Die Hard two and Die Hard before I watched Die Hard with a Vengeance. But like with Goldeneye, I feel like Die Hard with a Vengeance is sort of my Die Hard because Goldeneye I watched when I was thirteen, and I was just blown away by Brosnan, Zini on the top, like I'm invincible, like Sean Bean. Mm-hmm. Die Hard with a Vengeance, I feel like I was at that thirteen year old age. And I went to go see it in the theater by myself and watching Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis and Jeremy Irons and Katya and the music and the decapitations and the insane exploding helicopter. I, I, I know this is random, but I feel like that's my Die Hard because that's when I was like really in action films around 13. Okay, that makes sense. It it's makes sense. Odd. Like Die Hard, Die Hard's better. Like there's no argument there, but for some reason it's like Die Hard with a Vengeance is my – Die Hard. Right. I, I think Die Hard is better because it's enclosed within a building, you know, and, and in Die Hard 2 and then with a Vengeance and 4 and 5, they, they try to expand, you know, the the area where the entire, where all the action is going on. And it it each time it takes a little bit away from it because you don't have the intense idea that here it's in one building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that type of thing. You know, even Die Hard Two, they say it's smart. on a plane, but it's you know it's in the airport, and and sometimes they're out of the airport, and sometimes you know he's he's driving around the neighborhood, you know, trying to find the the the, the church, and obviously Die Hard with a Vengeance, mm-hmm. it's all around New York. So yeah, but I th- I think that's why this one works the best. I've I always personally I like watching movies or TV shows that all take place in one room. Or like one one enclosed area. That was one of the things I used to love about uh, the original Quantum Leap. You know, sometimes they had episodes where either there was one where they were on this like private plane, and the entire episode took place on the plane. You know, in this little uh, private yeah. plane, so you know you don't have very far to go and stuff like that. You know, it gives you a lot more uh, yeah. information about the about the characters that way. So maybe maybe that's why bottle episodes can be good, right? Have you watched Community at all? No. Sometimes when they when they had to do a cheap episode, they would just be in detention or study hall. Mm-hmm. They would just be the characters in one room right. or playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's a great <laughs> character time, like development. And, yeah. You know, and I think too, like 
I also love the movies Dread and The Raid. Like, I think The Raid is my favorite action film of the 21st century, probably around, probably with 13 Assassins and The Raid 2. Those are probably my favorite. Okay, well, but well kind of the Dread same, and The, the Raid same. are the same movie, you know. It's just different, different costumes. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. It's I, the same plot. It's I mean, the exact yes same plot. Yes and no. I mean, y- yes and no. But it's still like, I mean, I, I just love those. I, so it's got to be something, you know, un, like, like the Under Siege is that just horizontal, but I still love it. So I guess no, but Under Siege is, the problem. The problem with Under Siege is is you can't really visualize where they are the entire time. You know, he's jump. They're jumping around the ship, going to different places and stuff like that. Here, you know more or less what floor he's on, where he is, you know, where he's going, where where the action is taking place, you know, where the vault is, where you know, you know what floor things are, are happening on. With Under Siege, I mean, it's great. It's it happens to be one of my favorite. It it's my favorite Steven Seagal film because I'm not much of a Steven Seagal fan, but but I just love the way that Under Siege works. But you never get the idea that you know where every everything is going on. You know, and if you want to compare it to something else with a, with yeah. a, with a, with a, on on you know at sea, so think about Titanic. Well, Titanic, I was talking about I was talking about sort of single locations where I just love them, like, right? Like, if there's okay. an adventure movie, I love it. If there's like a single location movie, I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I'll watch it. I like it. Cube. Like they're in a cube the whole time. Right. Like for some reason that draws me in and I dig it. So, right. I mean, okay. I, 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 the geography probably is not as clear as Die Hard. But, but, but what you're saying is just like Die Hard keeps it so singular and you know where everything is. But I also think – I don't know what you think about this. But like <clears throat> comparing movies to Die Hard is something that I've just stopped doing. Comparing movies there, to there is Jaws no and Jurassic Park is something – yeah, it's 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 like, you know, I think there's only been a couple hundred-point games ever in the NBA, right? And so like, I, I just think if a player goes and has a hundred-point game, which let's call that diehard, and then they go have like a 60-point game, no one's going to be like, oh, that game sucked. It wasn't as good as a hundred-point game. Like I think everyone's going to know that that like – 100 point game is such an outlier. So with Die Hard and Jurassic Park and those movies like when people talk about the sequels they're like it doesn't reach the heights of the original. It's like yeah, but like nothing does. Correct. So it's it's such a weird thing where like the second Jurassic Park is fun, but they're like it's not as good as the first one. And I'm like what is? I don't know. Sorry. That's but my no, like, cuz you hear that a lot with I, you, you, I agree. You, you hear that a lot with criticism and it's just like it's like you can't always like a dude bowls a 300 game, and then well, I don't know if bowling is the rest is, is, like, is, is the greatest good. example because a 300 you can't get beyond a 300 game. You know, someone can Stop theoretically make me. a film. You told film. me no with Under Siege. You told me no with bowling. I'm I'm trying to make a point. Uh, <laughs> like the bowling, a 300 game is good. Uh, a 300 game is is the best, right? Yeah. But if mm-hmm. you go and you bowl a 250 game. People aren't going to be like, oh, that was a bad game. Correct. Like that's like they're not going to be like, it wasn't as good as Hanks because everyone knows that like a 300 game is the best you can do. So like a 250 game is great. And so like I think like in comparison, most movies when when people compare movies to classics, like people compare Deep Blue Sea to Jaws. And it's like it's no Jaws. And you're like, wait, like what? Like what? Deep Blue Sea isn't Jaws. So it just bothers me. So when people talk about like Die Hard movies and they're like, well, it's not as good as Die Hard. It just bothers me. That's my tangent. It's like, guys, stop comparing movies to like the classic. Has Al Young ever been killed by a bowling ball? I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. But let's let's go back to to Die Hard. We'll talk about Al Young. So Al Young, 
Uli runs down the stairs, the flight of stairs, after he's herded everybody onto the uh, on, onto the roof. And as he's walking down, the, the he opens the door. And this is a great cut because we see from above, you know, that he's going down down the you know down the stairs, and then he reaches out to open the door, and then the shot changes, and then we 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 see him opening you see the door opening in you know uh in front of us so we see his face as he's getting there and the look of mm-hmm. shock on his face is just great he like jumps back for a second he was like <gasps> you know like he's not he didn't expect this at all and then the next thing we we get another shot of him uh from behind and you know we we, we see him looking into the door and then we we see you know, like these, we hear four shots and we see these squibs just go all over the place. There's so much blood from those four shots that, that, that John makes right there. You know, great, great squib work mm-hmm. from, I mean, that, from that perspective. Oh, wonderful squib work. I don't even know how they, I mean, that's really, yeah, that's really good work. And also he doesn't say freeze and walks him up. Like he just shoots him. He's John McClane like, does he's not like, play. He murders this guy. Well, yeah. cause, cause he saw what happened. talked with... about why John, John McClane is, why is John McClane tan? He's a New York cop. Does he go to the beach a lot? <laughs> Wait, is that tan or is that grime? I mean, early on when he has his shirt off, he's quite tan. Like when he has his um, uh, when he has his uh, tank top on. Mm, okay. Why is why is why is he so tan? Uh, I don't know. Does John McClane sunbathe? You you would think he doesn't have time because he's you know got a a, a backload of scumbags that he's trying to get uh, put away. So I don't know. So why is he why is he so tan? That is a great question, Mark. And do you have an answer? <laughs> do you have do you have a suggestion? No, that's what I'm asking you. <laughs> I have no suggestion. I've never yeah, he's a... I've never thought about it. But you're right. He does look tanned. And I'm looking at pictures of him before he gets dirty. You know, like. Yeah, he has a little paleness, but no, like, yeah, he's pretty tan. Uli just falls backwards, and then John moves moves forward, and I love the way we see that he, like, reaches down for something. And then we get the overhead shot again, and we see, you know, Uli just lying dead on the, the staircase, and John has picked up his MP5, you know, as he moved, as he as he himself runs up those those stairs, you know, trying to find Holly. And then he looks around, he starts, he passes all of the, the, the various hostages, he passes through them. Now, what I like is, is that you can recognize some of these hostages from other scenes. You know, none of them have names or anything mm. like that. Like the, the first woman that he, that he passes has this like red blouse on, and she's the woman who screamed when, uh, when, when the elevator opened and we saw, you know, Tony dead. You know, so they, oh wow! They they do a nice job. I mean, some of the others you don't you can't recognize at all. You know, but it you know the fact that you that there are a few that you can recognize you know still works. And he he starts running through the the crowd and he goes, "Where's Holly? Where's Holly Gennaro? Holly Gennaro? Where's Holly? Where's Holly? Where is she?" You know, and he like makes his way towards uh, Ginny. You know, he's asking everybody, mm-hmm. and basically nobody has any idea what he's talking about. And then he finally finds Ginny, you know, who's uh, still very pregnant. I'm surprised she hasn't uh, gone into labor from all the shock of everything that's been going on over the last few hours. Oh, yeah. You know, and then he finally. Gruber could have delivered it. That's right. He finally found somebody he can talk to. 
and he he asks her where's in she goes they took her where the vault where's the vault the 30th floor up the stairs they just took her now my first question is is um how does she know you know hans grabbed her and grabbed holly and then that was at the point where everybody was getting up to go upstairs yeah so Ginny was paying attention to what's going on and even if hans had grabbed her why would you know let's say that hans was keeping her you know on in the office or whatever it is you know wh- why would you need even think that they took him to the vault except for the fact that that's needed to move the plot along didn't didn't he get a message on the walkie to go there nope and then he did nope no nope. message no message whatsoever you know, maybe she just has Sherlock deducing abilities. It could Listen, be. Listen, criminals are here. Maybe she knows about what's in the vault. Like, they're not there to steal the tchotchkes. They're not there to steal the the Muzak CDs. Right. Maybe, the hey, maybe she's the, the inside man. Oh, my gosh. Wait, then why would she take him to the – why would she send him to the vault? Because they've already screwed her. They sent her to the roof where they're going to blow it up. Oh, so she's getting revenge on them. Maybe. I don't know. And, and I love the way that she describes where he needs to go. It's as if she works like at a, at a uh, you know, information booth. You know, like there are places where, yeah. you know, you go and you, you, you know, where they can give you directions for, you know, I don't know, in a hospital or something like that. And they go, okay, now you, you go, go straight and then you'll, you'll get to a, um, you get to a corner where you got to make a right and then you make a left and another right and a second right and a third right and then you make a left and then you get to the to the department that you're looking for and stuff like that. You know, because she says, you know, the 30th floor up the stairs, you know, she's, she sort of sounds like she's giving instruction that, that, that she's well-versed as to, you know, how to explain to people how to get to the vault. Maybe that's part of her job. I mean, this is 88. Yes. Because remember back in the day, where do you live? All right, well, you go down 19, you take a left on uh, Pasco Drive. You go down a you go down eight blocks, and then you'll see like Spring Avenue. You take a right on Spring Avenue. You'll go past the lake, and on your left there'll be Johnson. You take a left on Johnson. I'm the third house on the left. Right. Like that's what you used to do back in the day. So this Correct. is 88. That's this right. This is what everybody does. That's right. Like everyone, everyone just knows like because you can't just be like put it on your phone. That's like right. people had to know how to get to your place. Yeah. So when they gave out directions, it was just like left, right, left, right, straight, 30 miles over that creek. You'll see a dead moose. Take a right. Yeah. No, it's it's, That's, it's uh, you remind me of one of the constant arguments that, that my wife and I have with with our 18 year old son. You know, when he's driving somewhere and we're like, do you know how to get there? And he's like, oh, I'll just put it in my phone and it'll tell me where to go. And like, but do you know how to get there? What if your phone doesn't work? And he says, well, then I'll use the person who's in the car next to me, their phone. You know, it's like. <laughs> It's like he doesn't know if he's going north, say, south, like, east, west. It doesn't really make a difference. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guess you just don't need it. Like, I would have loved to have had a phone. But I also think, you know, I drove around in cars in Atlanta. Uh, I drove a lot of box trucks through downtown Atlanta. I drove a lot of cars because I worked on almost different sets every day. Sometimes, you know, you're at the same studio for a couple months at a time, but then you're back on the road. So every one time I use my GPS, you just – I couldn't have driven back there on my own. Like, you don't really know where you're going. I drove around downtown Atlanta for a few years, and I still didn't quite know all the turns because I just relied on GPS. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm happy to have it. Listen, I'm happy. Like, give me GPS. Yeah, for sure. No, I am nice, I, I nice to know where you're going. <laughs> don't, think, don't think that I'm against it, but, I'm, but you need to have the additional knowledge also. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. 
Well, I just think GPS prevents like I don't need to learn how to go there on my own. So then when your phone goes down, I feel like sometimes you're like completely lost. It reminds me of that SNL sketch when the teleprompter goes down and everyone starts killing each other. <laughs> I feel like that's what happened when if GPS went down. People are like, where am I? Like, just look at the signs. Road signs. What? Okay. Yeah. That I definitely so, understand that. And then so I, I think I think directions were good. Okay. <laughs> and then the shot changes and we see the helicopters uh, approaching again. And John looks up and he sees them. And he starts screaming to people, get downstairs, all of you. The whole <laughs> roof is, is wired to blow. Get down. You know, and he starts screaming like again. He goes, get down. Get the downstairs. <laughs> and uh, people start screaming. I, I love how uh, they, we see some of the hostages, they point towards the Hueys. Hey, hey here's our ride. You know, that type of thing. You know, you, you, I'm waiting yeah. to see one of them, you know, pull out a thumb. That they're, you know, like thumbing a ride. And, you know. It's a tough situation for him, right? Because you can't just be logical with people because the roof could blow at any moment. Correct. So you can't just be like, all right, guys, so here's what happened. There's a gang of international robbers. We got to go down because it's going to blow. You just got to get them downstairs by any means. So, yeah, he actually puts himself in danger by shooting that gun in the air. But that's what he has to do. Yeah. Like move people. He doesn't have time to chat right. with 30 scared people. Right. And it works. Cause, While looking his hand. As soon as he starts shooting – they, they, they just, you know, he's just screaming. I, I love, you see, you see the, there's, there's a guy with a mustache. There's a blonde guy with a mustache. I always remember him in this, because this is the only time that you see him as one of the hostages. And he gets to like scream in terror, you know, because John's shooting, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> Great blonde hair. Lovely blonde hair, by the way. Yeah. That's a good extra yell. It could be. I'd like to be an extra on this scene. Um, Mark Extra could be in this. Yeah, it could be, could be, but you know, you, you got prick extra, uh, you got, you got prick Mark here, so you know. <laughs> yeah, prick Mark. Ow. Exactly. Funny scene. I love that moment. Oh gosh. And then we we get another shot inside the Huey, and then we we see the the pilot, you know, scream sc- again. I don't know how they hear each other because he's obviously he's screaming into the microphone, but it's it, they make it look as if he's talking to him directly. And he goes, they made us, Bureau. You got a terrorist shooting hostages. And then our, our good friend Johnson goes, I see it. Bank left. You know, he's, he's once again, overconfident, you know, cocky, knows what he, he's got to do and, uh, you know, is, is completely sure of himself of what's going to happen here. And then we he just want to murder people. Yeah. Then we get another shot from, from the, the viewpoint of, the, the helicopter as it's approaching once again uh, Nakatomi and another great shot because you can actually see all the people including John McClane uh, standing on the helipad you know uh, as the the helicopter begins its approach towards them stuff like that and that's actually how the, the minute ends now, wouldn't wouldn't John be a little concerned when he's shooting in the air that he's going to hit the Huey? No, he's that good. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, the the shells might, the bullets might, you know, shoot into Earth and then fall onto something, which they'll have to because the bullets have to come down. Yeah. So he can maybe shoot the Huey later. Right, but again, he doesn't want to shoot the Huey. It's like the same idea that when we were talking no. about months ago, you know, that, that if he didn't shoot at, at Al because he has no reason to yeah. shoot at them because he, he's still a good guy. He wants, you know, he, he has no plans 
of of killing any of the good guys or even wounding them. Mm-mm. I mean, he's not going to shoot the Huey. He knows it. He's fine. He's John McClane. Yeah, but he doesn't think. Beast. I mean, well, we'll see starting next week. You know, when the Huey starts shooting back, he wasn't really expecting that either. <laughs> you know, he is shooting no, at them, but he doesn't expect they're going to shoot back. Yeah, but I mean, these are all. Like, uh, listen, I, I is it a smart idea to shoot in the air when a Huey's coming close to you that's presumably armed? No, but how do you get those people off the roof? Right. Well, especially since they're not I feel like listening. In this situation, I, I feel like in this situation, it is a, it's a act, and then deal with whatever comes from that action. Right. Okay. Because he fair. has to get the people off the roof first, and then it's like, all right, how do I get them off the roof the fastest? I'll do this. All right, now what do I have to deal with? Oh, Huey's shooting at me. Okay, what do I do next? Right. I gotta jump off this building with this thing. Oh wait, I didn't untie it. Like that's his. He can't. Like, I think he just has to keep. You know, like taking a what when it goes down a cliff, it forms like a when you when you put a thing of a snowball yeah. down a thing, it just becomes bigger and bigger. Yeah. So it just keeps snowballing for him, but he has no time to think. So it's like I'll deal with it later. Right. Type thing. Okay. That's what I. Think. All right, that's fair. That's fair. So Mark, you have anything else you want to say about this uh, minute before we get into the the, the few little script differences? <clears throat> I just oh, I'm glad to be a guest. I got five really good minutes. I love these moments. I got to talk about Al Young. Like, what a, what a great time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the the script, as I always talk about, I love the fact that the script is very descriptive of everything that's going on. So it starts off, it says, uh, exterior of the roof, the door rattles, his back to the camera. Uli goes to the door, opens it, and two bullets come out of his back. Smoking Beretta in hand, McLean vaults over the body before it has even stopped twitching. As the hostages squeal and scream, McLean snatches up Uli's machine gun, runs out onto the roof. He charges through the crowd, spots Ginny near the edge of the roof. She meets him halfway. And then they have the whole conversation, where's Holly, and things like that. And then Ginny says they took her after they saw the kids on television. And then John goes, what? God. And then he sees the, the helicopters getting closer. He tells everyone they have to get down. He goes, listen to me, all of you, get down to the lower floors. You're all in danger. One of the hostages screams at him, what are you, crazy? We're being rescued. Those helicopters, and McLean screams, there won't be for those helicopters to land on because the whole top of this building is wired with explosives. Now get below. Another hostage says, but we're safe up here. McLean says, safe my ass. This ain't a helipad. It's a launching pad. And he fires over their heads. They scream, head for the doors, as he hoped. He fires again, raking a line across the roof. They really begin to haul ass. McLean, get below, now! And then it says, a young FBI agent is in the helicopter with a rifle and a partner. The young FBI goes into the into the microphone, looking out the door. Flight leader, this is Wing. I think they're onto us. One of the terrorists is firing on the hostages. So, it, it's, it's always fun to read what's in the script, but the final version is just so much better. You know, we don't have to have John arguing with the hostages or having them argue with no. him. You know, it's mm-hmm. just not needed. The the one thing I've I the one thing I would have kept is the fact that Ginny said after they saw the kids on TV, because this way John then knows that that happened. Because later on when when Holly, you know, decks Thornburg, he doesn't really understand why. You know, he wasn't he just he, to trust her. Yeah. Well obviously he's gonna trust her. You know, that, that, that's what she's there for. You got to trust Holly. That's funny. Yeah, because he doesn't. But then 
I guess that would if she goes the TV report. What TV report? Exactly. Right? That's true. Yeah. So I mean, there's no way of saying this distinctly. Get rid of all that. Right. There's no way of saying yeah, this. Get rid of all of it. Yeah. Absolutely. No way of saying that succinctly. Yeah. It's tough. No way of saying that succinctly. But yeah, it's. I think they pared it down really well. I mean, li- listen, I get why you had two people arguing, but you just got to trim all that. Like he he's dealt with enough crowds. Yeah. Yeah, he knows sure. what's up. All right, so every every Friday we have a segment called Weekend Surprise, where my guest has to answer a question re- related to Die Hard. Okay, and Ooh. you know, and 34 years since Die Hard came out, there has been one major controversy about the movie that is still unsettled, and that is: is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? And people have different opinions. So what do you think, Mark? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie or isn't it? And explain your answer. Yes. Yes. Okay. And why? Uh, you know, I, I, I had to do a Lethal Weapon versus Die Hard episode for Rotten Tomatoes. And so let, I, uh, I, I got to run just a second. Uh, so uh, you, you, you I, I did like which one's the better kind of Christmas action film. And so I pulled up a, I found a list here where, they're like, how many times does Christmas mention in Die Hard? So in the, at the airport, in the limo, in the floor main lobby, in the parking garage, at the gas station, at the Nakatomi Plaza, in the credits. Then you have how many props? You have the airplane, the teddy bear Christmas gift. You have floor 30 Holly's office. There's like a bunch of Christmas stuff. You have the elevator with the Santa hat. You have floor 30 vault, Christmas tape, like the, like, like the, the, the bell, the gift, the sky, like the paper falling from like the buildings resemble snow. In the script. Uh, you have uh, Wish You a Merry Christmas, Harriet's Christmas Eve, Family, Stockings, Chestnuts, Rudolph and Frosty, Ebenezer Scrooge, Looking for Presents, Santa and Mommy, Christmas Music, Hey, Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas, Christmas in Japan. This time, like, there's so many different times. Like, it's Christmas Eve, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Argyle. Like, it, there's so many mentions of it. And then, like, set decoration. There's Christmas trees. There's sleighs. There's reindeers. There's Santa Claus. There's lights. There's more Santa Claus. There's blue Christmas garland. There's snowflakes on uh, snowflake Christmas lights. There's poinsettias. There's Christmas ribbons. There's Christmas graffiti. There's Christmas wreaths. Like there's so many different references to Christmas in this film. I don't know why people say it's not. Now, if this took place in uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, right, on a skyscraper, in the snow, with all the Christmas decorations, the same music, People be like, yeah, it's a Christmas movie, yeah, because it's like snowy in this. But this is Los Angeles during Christmas. Like, I grew up in Florida during Christmas. It didn't feel like Christmas, <laughs> but when it was still December twenty fifth, it was Christmas. So, I think people who say it's not, like, well, it's not Christmas themed, like, but I don't. Like, this is a Christmas movie. Like this, this movie takes place on Christmas, and there are so many references to Christmas. So. It's such an, a weird argument. Like it takes place during Christmas and there's tons of Christmases, but it's not about like getting your soul back. It's not, it's a wonderful life. It's not miracle on 34th street. It's not holiday Inn. it's not white Christmas. There's no Santa Claus. But then, you know, you look at love. Actually, you look at, uh, let's see what else. Uh, <laughs> reindeer games. Uh, you, you look at these movies that take place around this time. And I, I just think it, it, you really, like, it's like the horror genre. It's so expansive. So people are like, oh, this movie's not a horror movie. It's a dark psychological fairy tale. It's like, yeah, but if it was, I was a block, 
blockbuster, it would be under the horror genre. Right. So it's it's really hard to say it's not because of just the amount of examples of sound and music, props, in the script, and set decoration. Like, you can't... Like, it is. It's a it's a Christmas movie. Okay. It, it's absolutely a Christmas movie. Yeah. And, so, yeah, that's and, fine. And think about what, what John's wife's name is. Holly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I even missed that. Jeez Louise. But, yeah, it's... Like, like what like, do you need Santa and this guy going, oh! you know, it's Florida Christmas, like Ernest saves Christmas. That's in Orlando. It has a different vibe. Like it's, it's, I'm telling you, like if this took place in Minneapolis, people be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas movie. But it's, this is a Christmas movie. This is a movie that takes place on Christmas, Christmas Eve. There's tons of references to it. A lot of music. It's just not the traditional, like, you know, people could say it's not the traditional Christmas movie. But it's still a Christmas movie. All right. That's my that's my breakdown. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mark. So, Mark, do you want to tell people how they can find Mark Hoffmeyer? Just look up on the top of the nearest skyscraper next to you recording this episode. <laughs> no, uh, movies, films, and flicks. Movies, films, and F-L-I-X. Quick shout out. Uh, the cool website Audible, who the Amazon company with all the audiobooks, just put us on our list of the best movie podcast you need to listen to in 2022. And Audible's huge, so that's pretty cool. And then that was a good shout out. Re- really happy about that. And then, yeah, movie films and flicks. You can listen to Conair the podcast, Deep Blue Sea. I also work for Fandom, Rotten Tomatoes, and the Film Theater. So just type in Mark Hoffmeyer and all those things. All right. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Or you can go directly to my website, movearoundminute.com. So, Mark, thank you very much. This has been such a fun week. Uh, you know, we're, we're we're almost at the end of the movie. We only have another uh, 17 episodes to go. 17 minutes left to the movie. Uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll, uh, you'll be back for season, season four when when I announce what season four is. Hopefully you'll be, you'll be interested uh, in coming back. So The 13th Warrior? For your 13th season, what movie with 13 <laughs> in the title are you going to do? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not doing them according to the numbers, you know, because, you know, this uh, is the third season. So this then it should have been Die Hard 3 from that perspective. You know, I need to have something with a three, listen, but I didn't. This is m- Mess with people though. There are Just three. Re-13. There are three. Is... There are three letters in the word "die." There you go. <laughs> and there, yeah, perfect. I like that. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that works. All right. Well, everyone, have a great weekend, and I'll be back on Monday with with a new guest. But until then, yippee ki yay! Yippee ki yay! 